0: It is great to be here one more time. My name is Gary Fowler, and I'm the CEO, President, and Co-Founder of GSD, Get You Done Venture Studios, a premier AI and quantum venture studio located in the heart of Silicon Valley. And it's with great pleasure today that I introduce my guest, Harsh. Harsh is a serial entrepreneur. He's an investor. Uh, He's a startup evangelist marketing growth and sales specialist located in Mumbai, India. With that, I'd like to bring on my friend, Harsh. How you doing, Harsh?
1: Hey, Gary, doing great. Glad to be back here on the show for the second time. My pleasure.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's great to have you here. So how have you been? Anyhow, what's going on with you, Harsh?
1: Yeah, it's been uh, pretty interesting. So I've been working in the crypto space for some time. Now, finally I get to work more hands on with a lot of these upcoming projects trying to help them, guide them so that they reach a certain stage and kind of, you know, reinvent. It's really exciting to see how the Web3 world is kind of evolving right now. I feel like back, you know, back in the 2002 days when the new Web2.0 was taking form, it's just a beginning of something like that. It's very exciting.
0: That's great. So um, tell me a little bit about how did you go from Mumbai, you know, so all the different things you've done, um, from uh, paytm johnson and johnson manish dial 1298 what is dial 1298 for an ambulance by the way
1: so uh, essentially it's like a 911 service in india Uh, so uh, 911 service in the us is government operated in india we don't have that established all across the country so there are a few private players dial 1298 is one one among them and i was working with them to kind of you know ensure the route optimization and uh, building marketing awareness for them Uh, so that people are aware of this kind of facility, that they can get an ambulance facility within 15 to 20 minutes.
0: That's fantastic. And so you did, uh, what's, so you were an intern at Cafe Coffee. What is that?
1: So it it is the Starbucks of India, the original Starbucks of India.
0: Oh, really? The original Starbucks? Okay, got that. And so as you're (laughs) going down through, you went to, did you go to France to study Grenoble? Did you do it online?
1: No, no. So it was, a, it was an exchange program from my uh, college. Uh, my university had uh, sent only a handful of people over there and I was one of them. We actually went to Grenoble in Paris and, uh, you know, studying was just a part of it. Mostly I was backpacking across the Europe at that point of time. In oh, wow. And what,
0: what did you do when you were over there? Where did you backpack, Parsh?
1: So pretty much everything. I went all the way up to Tromso in Norway, which is like the tip of the Arctic Circle, went all the way up to over there. Right from uh, from there all the way down to Greece over here, uh, traveling across, you know, I traveled at least 10 to 12 countries. You name it, Italy, Spain, Austria, Germany, Denmark, Copenhagen, everything.
0: And so what was the greatest, when you were over there, what did, what's the greatest thing that you learned about business? What did you learn about the cultures that was uh, interesting for you?
1: So more than the business, I would say the culture was the most important thing for me. Prior to that, I, I would say I was very unidimensional in terms of my thought process, my approach. I would be very linear in terms of, you know, very logical. This is the one step, one step, two step to step through to get things done. But once I interacted with people from different cultures, you know, there were Americans there, French, Italian, Spanish, people from all across the world were there. And you listen to different uh, perspectives, it really opens up your mind and it kind of, you know, uh, you become a different person altogether. And when I was back, I could use all those learnings which I made over there and kind of bring it to bring it over here. So that I believe was the biggest eye opener for me.
0: Excellent. And and how long were you there?
1: I was there for about four months.
0: Really? Four months. Well, yeah. that's amazing. And so you went back to India, you did, you studied at uh, when you did Narsi Manji, was that part of the same program?
1: Oh no. So that was the actual MBA program. That was the two year MBA program which I did over there.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. So let's fast forward going down through. So why did you go to decide to go to Johnson
1: and Johnson? So Johnson and Johnson at that point of time was a great opportunity in terms of, uh, you know, I I had heard these stories about direct sales and you know how to get done. And it was into the medical devices space. which was pretty interesting at that point of time. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at it, um, primarily the focus is on a lot. People focus a lot on the doctors and doctors are the kind of the center pieces of the entire health care ecosystem but there are a lot of other parts which people don't know about, right? That's why I wanted to get get a deep understanding into how these big companies work and the kind of products that they create. And it was a completely new sector for me. So that was very exciting for me as well. To understand how the, you know, moving from an FMCG industry to medical device industry, how does the sales and marketing differ for those countries? It was a great experience for me over there.
0: And so you stayed there two years. Did you like Mm -hmm. it or not?
1: It was a great experience, absolutely. So, Coming from an FMCG background, you know, the sales marketing is completely different. Over here, it's more B2B, very personalized selling with these guys. You have these relationships built up with them over a long time. The kind of activities that you do is completely different. So it, it, it was a phenomenal experience at that point of time.
0: And then, so you went forward, um, you went to Paytm. What, what Managing the dairy and the healthcare segment, what was that all about?
1: So Paytm at that point of time was the hottest startup in India. Uh, India just announced demonetization and I was lucky to be there just three months before the demonetization was announced, right? So at that point of time, the fintech space in India was booming up, the government of India had made a major change with, uh, with the UPI system where the payments were essentially made extremely cheap, right? So it was, you could say the right place at the right time, I wanted to get a feel of the startup ecosystem, because prior to that I would worked in conventional companies and this was a completely different uh, situation over here. So essentially what I was trying to do is, in India, digital payment system had never really picked up before then as in people would rarely use credit cards, debit cards. Most people would simply prefer cash, right? So it was a very eye-opening experience to kind of see the transition from cash to the digital payment systems when I was a part of pre at that point of time.
0: Got it. And then what's the Startup Leadership Program? So what was that? It says a global network of entrepreneurs. What was that so, about?
1: So it was essentially an accelerator program, just like GSD. Um, as in, I kind of joined there. Kind of understand the netflix of you know how the startup scene works uh, for my own startup since I was starting my own startup at Dialcare at that point of time so I want to kind of you know get a hand of all the different things which we require being a startup founder. Uh
0: so I got a question for you, Harsh. The wealthiest Indians, what are they investing in today? Can you get to them? Is it hard to talk to them and talk about companies? Are they interested in startups or what are they doing today?
1: So there are a couple of family offices who are quite actively looking at startups right now, but uh, it's still very far and uh, far and beyond. As in, they still prefer the conventional low risk kind of uh, um, low risk kind of investments where they can get predictable interest rates rather uh, than look at you know really uh, high interest rates over there. And even if you do kind of take startups, most of them they are not into the technology scheme of things. So the reason Silicon Valley, is Silicon Valley is because of the PayPal mafia, right? They would kind of you know put shit loads of money in early stage tech companies. In India, it's it's not that evolved, as in it's still, today it's significantly better than it was a decade back, but it's still not as, as easy as it's in Silicon Valley. So they obviously are looking for some good investment opportunities, but it's still very difficult, as in the percentage of success rate is ridiculously low.
0: Interesting. And I see you're with Latoken now. Yep. <laughs> well, congratulations. And uh, Thank you. I, I know Sunny was at La Token for a while and she yep. I guess she moved on but what are you doing with La Token?
1: So essentially my job is to kind of work with very early state uh, crypto projects, Web3 projects, Metaverse projects etc. Helping them you know launch their IEOs on the platform, helping them fundraise, helping them grow their communities, grow it to the next level so that the early stage companies which you're working with right now they become the next uh, decentralized or the next blocktopias, you know, in the coming two to three years.
0: And how's that going?
1: It's going pretty well right now. Uh, we've completely revamped our existing IEO product. The original product, we were not getting as good as result as we expected. So ever since I came in and with the new management team over here, we are completely revamping the product, revamping the offering, and ensuring, you know, to build a lot of value for the startups which we partner with. Primarily, we are looking at gaming startups, Web three startups, Metaverse startups, etc. To kind of ensure to take them to the next level, you know, Uh, so that right now people aren't even looking at them. They are completely below the radar. We kind of, you know, work with these kind of products, very early stage products, and help them reach the next level. Got it.
0: And tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about our ventures. What's our ventures all about?
1: So our ventures was an angel investment platform in India. What we would do is we would help early stage startups raise capital from these uh, these investors and angel investors, family offices, etc. So I worked with them, helped a couple of startups raise the funds through the angel platform and through other VCs as well.
0: How's the market? What's going on with the startup market in India right now, Harsh? How is it? And, and are they thinking global? Or are they thinking about India? And what do they think about? Are they doing stuff with China or not? I know there's been some some challenges with China, but are they focused on no. that? How does it work from a business perspective?
1: got it so uh, the the dependence on china has gone down dramatically imports have been extremely difficult a lot of other regulatory hurdles are there and the global supply chain kind of drying up uh, the scene which happened in california ports about three months back similar situation in india the supply chain completely choked up so the the dependence on china is kind of going down and people are finding alternate manufacturing opportunities as far as the thinking global is concerned most tech startups are still kind of focusing on india because the global expansion requires significantly more capital which uh, to be honest in this stage is still very difficult to get access to Um, unless you are uh, you know incubated by a VC at a very early stage uh, you will find it very difficult to raise a series A or series B stage so that's why it becomes extremely challenging so most startups are primarily focused on India obviously there are a few who do have global aspirations but most of them have Indian Indian, um, following Primarily, it is the SaaS companies who look at international audiences because SaaS companies, uh, you don't get those kind of high-paying customers in India. So they're looking at European markets, U.S. markets, uh, U.K. markets, etc.
0: Interesting. What about this thing? How important are are places like IIT and IIM? If somebody comes to you, Harsh, and said, because I've I've met a few of these folks, they they graduated, they took the entrance exam, and they were in the top five of the uh, entrance exam. If they come and talk mm-hmm. to you, do you listen to them or is it, are they important in India or not?
1: No, absolutely. So these are among the smartest people in India and I appeared for the IIT interns myself and missed it by a whisker. So I, I completely relate, you know, to how smart these guys are. So definitely I would give them a year to kind of understand what they're doing. But it's not like, you know, just because he's an IIT, I would simply get these guys investment or something like that. So that's not the case. We still follow the basic process but definitely the fact that they're from IITV do kind of give them, you know, some concentration in now terms of that to, they might have something. They come
0: in and they say, I'm from IIT and I graduated number, I had the number one or number two score in the test. You're gonna listen to him, right?
1: Uh, I'm just gonna listen to him. I won't guarantee him the money because unless uh, to kind of build a successful startup, you need to have the right opportunity, the right idea, the right technology in place, all of that stuff in place, right? So I would definitely listen to them, you know, list, and it's not just IITs. Even other projects, if, when I get them, I do kind of give them, you know, I, I, I want to listen to them. I want to listen to the new amazing thing which people are building. But uh, to actually come, come through and get the actual investment, it's still going to take time. It's not that simple.
0: What about IIM? Where did they fall?
1: Pretty much the same. So IIM is the premier B-school of India, you could say compared to Harvard and Stanford in terms of the MBA uh, programs over there. Situation remains the same, as in we obviously kind of listen to, I try to listen to as many startups which come on my plate, but we cannot invest in every startup out there, right? So That's why we kind of are looking for the best practices in place. And most importantly, the bet is on the founder, right? To kind of ensure that the founder is in the right mindset and is looking at the right opportunities. That's what we look for, essentially.
0: What's the, What's going on in terms of the supply chain? It was interesting you told me the supply chain dried up is because is China not producing the products or is it because of politics that it's right up what's happened
1: so it's a combination of the two so uh, i'm sure you must be familiar with the silicon chip issue which was happening last year right a lot of startups were facing difficulties because the microconductor chips weren't working at all so that kind of it, it was a ridiculous period of time as in the automobile sales in india which are heavily dependent on these semiconductor chips which are coming from there it, it was in a very bad shape. so that's why they started in the manufacturing locally it was a combination of the situation because what and the second point over there is in terms of logistics, right? The entire ship, these are giant mammoth ships. And unless they get the entire container full worth of uh, product to ship, they would not leave the docks. So that was the reason why there was a huge shortage of ah, I got so- it. I got
0: it. Got it. No, and then, but that's a, you know, it's interesting. We understand where there's frailties in the system and there were some mm-hmm. weaknesses and, you know, not having distributed manufacturing in places like, I'm sure it's picking up in India now because of all these challenges. I'm sure people are moving manufacturing facilities to India, correct?
1: Absolutely. We are seeing a lot of movement in India, especially in terms of the, the northern India, the Gurgaon side and that side there, we are seeing a lot of manufacturing setup. Even the southern sides where there is a lot of ports over there, like the Chennai port, the Kolkata port, we are seeing a lot of manufacturing activity over there as well. A lot of movement is happening over here. Vietnam is doing phenomenally well right now. As in, they've really capitul- uh, captured this opportunity that they are and they're doing phenomenal work. Singapore has become the next financial hub. In fact, a lot of these billionaires, the unicorn founders from China, they are they are shifting. Their up. They are either moving to Hong Kong, they're moving to Singapore and other places to kind of, you know, get get this kind of opportunities, which, the China, which they're getting, it's becoming very difficult for them in China. now.
0: Yeah, no, I understand it. It's kind of interesting, you know, China has so many opportunities, great opportunities, and it seems like people are drawn down and, you know, and um, it's, it's interesting how it shifted. And that's not going to be a good situation for the global economy, right? We got to figure out how we can work together and do better things and and mm-hmm. um, you know solve these tremendous problems we have in front of us, global warming, uh, food, exactly. increasing the food supply. I mean, these are real problems. Mm-hmm. Look at Africa, right? Over a billion yep. people in Africa in 38 countries. I mean, here's an mm-hmm. opportunity of a lifetime. It's really a <laughs> greenfield, uh, blue ocean exactly. opportunity. We need to go out and figure out how we can use the resources to build things. You know, and if people have jobs harsh, they don't go to, for the most part, they don't do bad things. They're not going to go to, uh, you know, uh, ISIS or Boko Haram or these groups. They're trying to feed their families and and it'll mm-hmm. change, but we got to go out and we got to democratize opportunity, which it sounds like is it's happened a lot in India now. I mean, it's incredible how many, how much talent there is, untapped talent in India, not just sheer numbers, but incredibly uh, bright people. So what's your what do you th- see in terms of the next five years for India in terms of the market? What's going to happen with the startups? What's going to happen with technology?
1: So right now, the startups are still, uh, you know, if you look at it, the current startup model, which India is still working on is kind of emulating the US and UK startups. And we are like two to three years to five years a little behind from the star ecosystem over there. So the original trend was, you know, see what's working over there, create a replica over here in India and kind of grow it for the local domestic market but right now with the movements which I'm seeing in many of the Indian startups in the web3 space I think pretty soon it would become that India is coming up with new innovations which the rest of the world will emulate especially I'm telling you now in the crypto space the move the explosion which is happening in the Southeast Asian markets is absolutely phenomenal as in the web 2.0 was led by us in terms of the innovation which was happening the web3 world is happening over here I'm seeing it with my eyes, you know, the kind of projects which I'm seeing, you know, you name it in terms of the beauty, in terms of logistics, the operations, and they're diverse. It's not like they're just these basic gaming projects or just these basic tokens out there. They are real fantastic projects in terms of the financial system, they're completely, you know, they have complicated derivative products built on the blockchain. They have other complicated financial products built on the blockchain. They are using blockchain to kind of, you know, facilitate the operations the supply chain, they're doing it for democratizing agriculture. So the amount of things which I'm seeing over here, what what I'm seeing is now the next development, the next phase of development is coming on the eastern side of the world. So
0: what's going on with Hong Kong these days? Do you know? Do you hear much about since the shift to Singapore? What's happening with Hong Kong?
1: So unfortunately, I don't I'm not in touch with many people in Hong Kong, so I won't be able to comment on that. But uh, Singapore, Vietnam, Philippines, Killing it, they absolutely killing it, and well, especially with the fight. Fact-
0: Singapore's got a lot of uh, support for the startup environment, right? But yeah, you know, yeah. it's interesting. You know, Silicon Valley is a port to the rest of the world for these startups, a so chance to be able to have the network, have the connections to be able to get out to the market. It's more not a physical place; it's really a mentality, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, the valuations are a lot higher. So if you look at valuations in the valley, they're still higher than most places on the planet Earth today.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: so um, yesterday I was speaking to some folks from Hong Kong. I had some direct conversations. I have had many conversations. It seems like you're right. People are moving in different directions. Right. They're moving to Vietnam. They're moving to Singapore. They're moving to um, places that they feel are entrepreneurially friendly. And mm-hmm. you know, where they can get the valuations, quite frankly, access to capital and valuations, right? So mm-hmm. if you look at it, and w- if you look at India, what cities are the top three cities for tech right now? How do they, where do they stack up today?
1: So it's pretty simple. Uh, Indian, the top three cities are Bangalore, uh, Delhi, Noida, Delhi NCR region, and third would be Mumbai. But Mumbai is a distant third. The top two are Mumbai and, uh, sorry, Bangalore and Delhi, Delhi NCR.
0: Well, Bangalore used to be an offshore outsourcing hub. I remember a few years ago, a lot of what about Hyderabad? What's going on there?
1: Hyderabad is still there, still in its early stages, but it doesn't have that kind of talent density. And more importantly, most of the VCs, they are congregated in the Delhi NCR region and the Bangalore region.
0: Got it. So, so uh, and I know in Bangalore, I mean, 25 years ago, 23 years ago, I was doing offshore outsourcing, hiring folks, from Bangalore, that were doing workforce, right? Through mm-hmm. for different projects and things. But you know, that's really the beginning stage of a startup because you get yep. expertise in building things, then you start to figure yep. out how to build those for yourself, right?
1: Yep, yep, yep. That's exactly the case. As in, that's how uh, the, when the tech talent, uh, when they used to work on these tech projects from there, you know, work with Infosys, with ProTCs, etc. They build that caliber, they build that talent, they build the skill set. And now it's like we can do better than you guys that's the kind of mindset which these people have
0: no but that's good that's good that's good uh, that's entrepreneurship at its finest what about places like madras where you have by a uh, one of the top iit schools are they mm-hmm. building clusters around places like madras or are they moving to places like bangalore from you know they graduate no. from university what do they do next
1: so uh the madras as an even a bombay has an iit madras has an iit Karakpur has an iit but the startup ecosystem, it, it's a lot more than just the engineering institution, right? It, it needs a complete ecosystem of uh, te- technical talent, marketing talent, VC ecosystem, financing ecosystem, and more importantly, the culture should be there, right? What is w- w- The most beautiful thing which has happened is people in Bangalore, people in Delhi, NCR now, right now, right? Anytime you have a new project, you go out to the market, the validation is instant. So now even the lo- locals who are staying over there, even they are you know completely attuned to the startup ecosystem and they want to try new things the the opportunity to try that has become extremely easy same goes for delhi ncr what has happened with mumbai to be an unfortunate an unfortunate uh, situation in mumbai is mumbai used to be the new york of india at one point of time so when a city becomes at its really peak then the mindset of the businessman over here it tends to become very negative and very pessimistic and they do not want to let new people in a startup culture cannot thrive in that environment. The real beauty of the startup culture, why startups are willing to thrive as quickly as possible is because of the openness, the transparency, right? We are willing to share knowledge. We are willing to share connections. Everyone is willing to help each other. That's what made Silicon Valley what it is today. If it were not for that, it would, not have, it would have never been possible. Same phenomenon to create that phenomenon. In fact, there was a book which I had re- uh, read a couple months back. I can't recall the name right now. Um, I think it was, uh, from the VC in Boulder, Colorado, I don't recall his name right now. So, essentially, what what th- he mentions is a startup ecosystem is far more than just a city and you know talent and all these things. You need to ensure all of these are working together in synergy. That is when the ecosystem like Silicon Valley is created.
0: Yeah, no, you're right about that. And um, you know, we see these great opportunities. We've got a lot of, I see a lot of artificial intelligence companies, computer vision, industry, 4.0, all kinds of different B2B and B2C plays come out of India. It's an incredible place. You know, we hear more and more about it. The reason I was asking a number of my friends are IIT graduates. And when we would have meetings, they would say, and he graduated number two or he was a number two on the test. I didn't know what he was talking about. It's like (laughs) SAT test. But no, no, this is the IIT test. You know, it's like, they're like praising him. I, you know, it was like uh, he's the uh, a big Kahuna going down through it. But it's an amazing institution, amazing graduates. I mean, some of the top people from around the world. Well, thirty percent of the companies in Silicon Valley are run by IAM or IET graduates, and some and their senior management team. So it's incredible, and it's you know, it's a more to come. We just got to go down through and figure out how to clear some of the problems. I know during the pandemic. It's the first time in 30 years they saw the Himalayas. We were able to see those in India. Yep. We need to yep. figure out how to clean things up because if not with global warming and, and not being able to feed enough people, nothing good's mm-hmm. going to happen. We got to figure out how to make it a democratized opportunity and not to give handouts out, but really create opportunities for everybody. It's great.
1: Well, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more on this. Harsh,
0: we're coming to the uh, top of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Closing thoughts and how can people reach you?
1: So closing thoughts are simple, you know, uh, the opportunities have never been as abundant. People have never been more open regarding sharing. Just look at the business ecosystem about 20, 30 years back. It used to be very restricted, very protective. People who are looking to create monopolistic situations for themselves, not let new entries and create entry barriers. And now everything is so opened up. Anyone can start a business today. You don't don't even need too much capital. With $5,000, $10,000 to start with, you can create your prototype and, you know, raise VC money. So it's never been that easy. And just kind of just, it's just a question of the mindset. Your mindset is literally the only thing which is stopping you in today's day and age. Just look at the example of how the evolution from web one, web two to web three has started today, right? You just, in, rather, than, in, rather than trying to ensure that most of the capital goes to you, you'll be create a decentralized community and kind of ensure that everyone is involved in growing the community. That is how the next wave of startups, next wave of businesses are going to grow. So think along those lines and that's how you're going to create the next unicorns of the future. And if anyone wants to reach me, I'm available on LinkedIn at uh, Harsh Etia, and would be happy to discuss with you. Thank you so much.
0: That's great. Thank you very much, Harsh. And thank you to my audience for joining me today. My name is Gary Fowler and I am the CEO, President, Co-Founder of GSD, Get Shit Done Venture Studios, a premier AI and Quantum Venture Studio located in Palo Alto, California. So closing thoughts, I'd like to say one, thanks, Harsh. To each one of you out there, stay safe, stay healthy and stay happy. There's a lot of opportunities out there. Let's all go out and make this world a better place and go get them together. Thanks again. Thanks, Sarge. See you again next week for another edition of GST Presents next Tuesday. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye, guys.